Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our update for the week ending 24th of November 2023. Our post this week was sparked by a presentation we heard recently by the Northeast Local Enterprise Partnership. The presentation was made at an online Green Skills Network meeting convened and hosted by Ashton for the City Region Combined Authorities. And, as we say in the post, it helped us to understand a bit more about the process and some of the partnerships in the Northeast that achieved something we'd already observed, that Green Skills Boot Camps are doing pretty well up there in the land of the Prince Bishops, the Geordies, the Mackhams, and beyond the ancestral home of the Charltons in Ashington, all the way up to Berwick on that beautiful River Tweed. Michael, what did we discover? We discovered that they are very active, probably more active than any other region in relation to dedicated boot camps for the green economy. So they are covering specialisms around retrofit, heat pumps, electric vehicle chargers, electric vehicle maintenance in the main, and in related areas of supporting industries. But we also find similar clusters like this in London, emerging ones in Essex and elsewhere. And so in most regions, you'll find some form of retrofit type hub. Okay. Now we have observed that the Green Skills Bootcamp take up across England generally has been a little sparse to date. You've mentioned some of the clusters there, Michael. But how do we think this might change through the local skills improvement plans? Well, you'd have thought there should be some direct alignment by the priorities set out in the LSIPs, but it depends on the level of funding. Looking through the autumn statement, I was wondering if there might be some extra bits and pieces there. Doesn't look like that's the case, though there are some things around apprenticeships. The question you have to have, though, is the structure and rigidities of boot camps frameworks against skill need. Do they actually match and do they allow you to do some of these things? Certainly, it allows freedoms to take place. And certainly through the LSIPs, there's capital involved to support boot camp activity. So those are all good things. If they're the right volume, we don't know at the present time. Our contact with the DFE on the bootcamp statistics side, they won't be releasing a current evaluation by bootcamp stream and theme until early next year. So we won't see how this wave is currently working. But of course, when we're talking about the LSIPs, we're not just talking about bootcamps, are we? No, no. It's much, much broader than that because they're covering all forms of education as well in terms of careers advice. And also they're linking in with universities as well. Well, as we mentioned in the post, as part of setting up the Green Skills Boot Camps in the Northeast, the region made a review of the green sector and it identified an initial focus on green power, green transport and green construction. And when you consider the area that the review covered, that makes sense. There's a big rural area for transport, most of Northumberland and the Pennine foothills in County Durham, for example. And then there are the big towns like Sunderland and the Tyneside Conurbation for construction and urban transport. And in energy, there are the developments up and down the coastline, which of course include the Dogger Bank wind farm. And it's interesting when we talk to people up and down the country about the different green focuses that, aside from the givens like retrofit, can vary quite a bit. For example, here's someone we talked to recently. This is Luke McCarthy, who is responsible for green skills development at Surrey County Council. 
And Luke told us about the green priorities in that leafy part of the land. In terms of the sectors, perhaps not surprisingly, the top five were reduce, reuse, repair and recycle. So everything around the sort of waste management, everything around sort of power generation and distribution, homes and buildings in the sort of construction space. Interesting climate adaptation starts to move in there, I guess, recognising the fact that it's a balance between reducing emissions, but also adapting to a changing climate. And then I guess particularly reflective of Surrey, the sort of fifth of the sectors was green financial, professional and research services. We actually identified green construction and retrofit as a sort of sector that we wanted to target. And that was probably a reflection of a couple of things. Firstly, we know that somewhere in the region of 50% of service emissions are in some way, shape or form related to buildings, whether that's commercial or domestic. And we also know that there's probably a substantial need around reskilling as well as new entrants to the labour market in the construction space. So probably the main focus there is around retrofit. Michael, some differences with the northeast there. There are. And so we have some major specialisms because of the nature of the industrial base that's being created. If you take the northeast around renewable and power generation for offshore wind and related areas, carbon capture and storage fits in there as well, as does hydrogen. But as you move down to Surrey, you don't necessarily have those because it doesn't have a coastline. But what it does have is financial capabilities and financial activities, but also a very strong software industry as well, related to some of the digital applications to the green economy. And our usual reminder that you can find this week's post on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast podcast on all the major streaming platforms including Apple, Google, Amazon and at last Spotify. Right, autumn statement Michael. Tax cut giveaways, cries of electioneering, the independents saying the winners are the workers, pensioners and self-employed while the losers are the benefit recipients and users of council services and the canary its usual outraged self. So plenty there to help out the blue cause, perhaps, but anything for the green cause, perchance? Yes. So if you just take out one for the current time, that is a 4.5 billion allocation to eight strategic industries. And that money is to be run from 2025 for five years. And it picks up eight industries, seven of which you could argue are green. But the bulk of the cash, there's two billion going to automotive and therefore the automotive build and batteries. There's the best part of a billion going to aerospace, and that will take you into satellite territory. And another billion going to the Green Industries Growth Accelerator. And that covers carbon capture and storage, electricity networks, hydrogen, nuclear, offshore wind and the like. And then there's a remaining half a billion that goes to life sciences. But the green sectors there get a fair amount. And if you follow some of the logic of those monies, it is all about leveraging other investment. And in the autumn statement, there were some quite large claims made about the amount of leverage made since 2010, like £200 billion. And there's going to be an extra £100 leverage between now and 2030 as a result of the government activities. We will see. But there's also, totally outside all of that, £150 going for connected and automated mobility R&D programme which you could argue is a bit green. And we are waiting on a battery strategy to be published next week and also the advanced manufacturing plan also to be published next week. So we'll get further detail going forward in the month. Okay, we'll keep an eye out for all of that. Now, going back to Ashton, we know it made its annual awards a week or two back with winners in the UK and the Global South in categories like integrated energy, powering agriculture, future farmers and so on. And we had a great chat a couple of days ago with one of the winners, Michael. 
We did, and we learned a lot about a pilot project in Uganda making use of renewable technologies, solar and batteries, to electrify a village in the nicest way of using that phrase, and also therefore providing growth and activity and social welfare for the village. And the thing that intrigued us, once they've achieved demand, they then handed over supply to the national grid and then took their technology or their assets onto the next village to actually allow them to prove themselves and electrify. And this was electrifying both in the schools, local shops, and the people at home, and also street lighting, and also for entertainment, to have a movie being set up, a little cinema. So it was actually intriguing use of relatively cheap, reliable, robust technology to actually address poverty. And this was energy poverty and actual poverty. Well, we'll be featuring our chat with Power for All, which won the Ashton Award for Integrated Energy in Africa in next week's post. So look out for that. And finally, almost at the end of November, and we're planning a couple of 2023 roundup pieces for our first two Thursday posts in December before we take a break until the new year. But before that, of course, we'll have Michael's monthly reports roundup, which will come out on Monday, the 4th of December. Michael, what have you seen of note, reports or otherwise, this month? I'd like to highlight three things, really. One is the partnership between UFI, NCFE, well-established, goes back to 1848, awarding body, an educational player in the educational area, is their partnership to use technology and to drive change and improvements around assessment in vocational training and development. And that could potentially be very important across a whole raft of other sectors as well. And two reports, one from IFS entitled The Changing Geography of Jobs, which looks at the occupational shift from 1993 to the current day and also the geography of those jobs. And one big message that comes out is the hollowing out of the labour market over that 30-year period. It is absolutely dramatic what has been happening. And we have to put the green jobs into that context which would be quite an interesting task for them to do. And a second report from the Southwest Net Zero Hub, working with GemServe to produce an excellent report on retrofit skills. This goes back a little while, but well worth a read. It covers the nine core roles of retrofitting. So if you're interested in that area, please pick it up and have a read. It's freely available on the Southwest Net Zero Hub website or the GemServe one. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights. 